Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. The question was not when. The question today is not when is Jesus coming. The question is where should you and I be when he returns? And the answer is simple. Be in the body of Christ. Be in the church. But Jesus said, you got to watch and pray. you got to watch and pray. It's not when he's coming. The answer is, I want to be in the body. i got to be in the body of Christ when he returns. While you're still standing, grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 17. Luke, chapter 17. And we're going to begin reading at verse 29, Luke 17. And 29. Amen. The Bible says, but the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day he would shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house. Let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife, whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. I tell you, in that night there shall be two men in one bed, the one shall be taken and the other shall be left. Two women shall be grinding together, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two men shall be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. And they answered and said unto him, Where, Lord? And he said unto them, Wheresoever the body is, thither will the eagles be gathered together. Amen. And I want to just speak to us just for the next little bit, stealing my title from our text this morning, the question they asked, Where, Lord? Where, Lord? Would you help me pray right now? Lord, we love you. God, we're so honored. What a privilege it is to be in your house, to be standing in your presence, God. I pray that you would speak a fresh word to us on this day, God, as we open up our hearts and prepare, God, to receive everything you have for us, God. I pray that your anointing would be released in this place, God, and we'll be careful to give you the praise for it all in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. And the Apostle Paul writes in Thessalonians 5, he said this, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, And they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children 
of the light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. The second coming of Jesus Christ has always uh, been centered around a, a question of when will this event take place? When, when will be the day? When will be the hour? And according to Paul, we will know the times and the seasons. If we pay attention, we will see the day of the Lord approaching us. And uh, in, the, in the world that you and I live in today, it's hard not to think about the coming of the Lord. We look around and we, are, we see the mess and we see uh, the brokenness. We see the, the, just the, the, the state that we are in as society, one that is so far removed from God's original plan. We are so far removed from the Garden of Eden experience where we were created for relationship with the Creator. And this world is a long, long way away from that. I mean, just spend a few minutes, uh, an hour buried in uh, the media, and you will, trust me, if you do that, you can't help yourself uh, but to just get a little bit homesick, amen? You can't help, and I'm not talking about our places of dwelling. I'm talking about the other side of this, a longing for the eternal dwelling. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 5, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. He says we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Even though Paul possessed the spirit as the earnest of his inheritance, as Ephesians tells us, in his inability, though, to physically see the resurrected Lord, it necessitated that he walk by faith. All right? At times, he found it necessary to ignore how things appeared, looking forward rather with anticipation to the future realization of his heavenly dwelling place. Paul was looking forward to that day where we will meet him face to face and we will all be home. Aren't you thankful today that we have the promise of heaven for those who are in Christ? We have a promise of eternity with the Lord. There is a promise of getting home. Yes, thank you, Jesus. So Paul... Paul kind of, he kind of settles the controversy about knowing the times and the, and the seasons. And that's good and kind of temporarily satisfying. But what about knowing the day? What about knowing the hour? How many of you know people like that? Just telling them the day is not good enough. 
Now, I know we're doing something on Tuesday, but what time are we doing it on Tuesday? When are we getting together on Tuesday? My wife, I love her to death. She is one that has to know when, where, what, why. It's not good enough to say, hey, babe, let's, let's go to St. Louis this weekend. No, 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 no. <laughs> when are we going? What day? If you're talking about Friday, Saturday, after church on Sunday? What are we going there for? Where exactly are we going? Where will we be eating? What time do you think we'll leave the house? What time do you think we'll return to the house? I, I, I don't, I, let's, let's not go. Let, let's just, let's stay home. And it usually leads to a heated discussion and she's upset with me because we left the house without a plan. And that's where I said, woman, you submit. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We're staying in the word. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know she's not the only one that that likes a plan, that likes to be organized, that likes to know what's going on. You know, we, we probably all are like that to some degree, or, or, or maybe you know somebody that is like that. And, uh, and, and, and when it comes to the second coming, we can be like that. When... Is this going to happen? When is he coming back? When is the day? When is the hour? Pastor, can you tell me what you think? When do you think that Jesus is coming back? I can remember when I first got in church, and I wasn't raised up in this. I was 13, 14 years old when I started to get to know some people that were members of the Pentecostal church in Peenyville, Illinois. And uh, and we had just recently moved to Peenyville when I was starting uh, seventh grade and, and my mom got a job at a marketing company on the outskirts of town and she worked right next to the pastor's daughter. How many of you know God knows what he's doing? God knows what he's doing. And, and to make a long story short, I slowly started to come around to the idea of church. I really liked the people from the church. I became friends with them outside of the church. And some of them were in my school. Uh, again, my mom worked with the pastor's daughter. And so every time I went out to visit my mom from work, uh, I, I would have interactions with the pastor's daughter. And, and, and I began to, to, to grow relationships 
relationships with different people that I went to school with. And Travis Leip, the Leip's oldest son, was my youth pastor uh, when I got into church. Not at the time. I couldn't consider him my youth pastor. But I got to know Travis uh, really, really well. And I would go and hang out on a game night, uh, skip the next night, which was prayer night. But game night was, was me, buddy. I was there. All right? I still wasn't coming to a regular church service, but you know, game night, that's harmless, right? That's, we could just show up, we could do that, we could taboo, whatever you want to do, let's, let's do it. But I, I wasn't going to church, and then one time, one time I finally caved, and they invited me to a harmless Wednesday night youth service. And I had finally, finally worked up the courage to say, yes, I'll I'll, I'll be there. I'll come to your youth service. How bad could it be? So I arrive. And the, and the youth room where the church was being held at was, it was separate from the actual church. And from what I remember, we didn't all start out in the main sanctuary. We just went to our classrooms. And so I went over to the youth room. It was Wednesday night and the youth just started out over there and there wasn't any corporate worship. The youth kind of sang some songs and Brother Light played the guitar and, and, uh, and there was, you know, we didn't have any preliminary service type things that went on and, and, and then dismissed for service no you just you just go straight to your group and straight to your class and and so I'm thinking how easy is this I don't even have to go in the church this is amazing I can just show up I can deal with the little youth service and I can appease everyone that had invited me for so long and then I could be on my merry little way wrong This night, this one Wednesday night, the pastor of the church felt the need to bring the entire church back into the sanctuary and show them an end times video. First service. Of all the nights on this particular night to show this particular video, it was the night that I had decided to pay the church a visit. I remember, Sister Bird, I remember walking into the sanctuary and seeing the screen and there was a picture of a man with a 666 on his forehead and it was like this black and white photo. His eyes were closed and there was this image on his forehead and I'm thinking, nope. (laughs) So I pretended I had to use the restroom. And I snuck out the side and I hit that back door so fast. Church was dismissed for Bryce on that very night because I wasn't about to go through an end times video. The coming of the Lord was scary to me back then. It frightened me. Mainly because as I look back, I was living without a hope. How many of you know we have a hope today? 
I love what the Bible says, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope and hope maketh not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. He jumps down, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a hope today and hope has a name and that name is Jesus Christ. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord today. But when you don't have this relationship, when you don't know this hope that we have in him, conversations about the second coming are startling. And that's where I was that Wednesday night, 13 years old. And everyone, everyone today, everyone even back then, we're trying to figure out when. When is Jesus coming back? I need to know when. I need to know the day. I need to know the hour. But the question is not when is Jesus coming? Our text this morning, Luke 17, Jesus is teaching on the coming of the kingdom. And he starts giving them these scenarios. Two men, one taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one taken and the other left. Two men in the field, one taken and the other left. And then this verse of scripture, verse 37. And they answered and said to him, where, Lord? And he said to him, said unto them, wherever the body is, there the eagles will be gathered together. This past fall, I shot a video for my brother on opening day of duck season, and then uh, it had been years since I, I I've duck hunted or hunted hunted at all. And although I wasn't there to hunt, I was there to shoot a video. I did manage to slip in a couple shots. I killed one duck, uh, which tied me for first place on that particular day. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, and, and don't let that surprise you and don't be fooled by my city look. I know sometimes I could be an urban cowboy and I've diverted to hunting for deals at the mall, but I have deeper roots than that. <laughs> but I was there that morning to get some footage for a promo video that my brother wanted to produce for a group that he's involved in called Freedom Outdoors. And it's a, it's a small group of guys that love to fish. They love to hunt and all sorts of other outdoor type stuff and that day I had an absolute blast it was uh it was just great kind of being out on a boat in a duck blind didn't matter that the temperature was right at freezing maybe just above freezing I had an absolute blast and duck hunting is a little bit different than uh than deer hunting for those of you that are deer hunt a lot of you know the difference but for example I grew up mostly deer hunting shotgun bow that type of things and I know that um one thing about deer hunting is that especially if you are shotgun hunting is uh once you shoot your gun if if you miss I mean your day's over 
I mean, you your day is shot, you know, at the risk of being cheesy. Uh, you know, you just got to you just got to go. But duck hunting is totally different because if you miss, you could just keep shooting because those birds just keep flying and they're flying, flying, flying all day. They just keep flying in and flying in. And so and so once uh, once you shoot a duck, unless you have a, a, a dog to go out and retrieve the, the duck out of the water, you have to go get in the boat and you have to go out and you have to, you have to get that duck that you had just shot. And I remember my brother, he had shot a duck, but we weren't able to go and pick it up right away because ducks were still flying over and they were still trying to, uh, uh, take, take out a few more. And, um, but the waters kept moving and they kept just pushing that dead duck just further out and further out and further out. And I remember looking all the way across the lake and, uh, and out of nowhere, this bald eagle just showed up. I mean, out of nowhere, this bald eagle just kind of perched up on a tree looking out over the lake. And me and my brother were discussing it. And he was like, he, he's like, we need to go get this duck now. Because what happens is, is that an eagle will show up. And the reason they show up is because they, they have smelt food. They have found food. They know that food is there. And, and, and so they just show up out of nowhere. And if you don't go and grab that duck, that eagle is going to swoop out and it's going to steal your duck. And so Cody said, we got to go get it. And so I was thinking about that, how fascinating that is in eagles. You ever heard the term eagle eye? Eagle eye. We, we say that in like slow pitch softball and stuff like that. If a guy's up the bat or something like that and there's a pitch coming in and it almost is a strike, but they hold up and they don't swing. We're hollering from the dugout. Eagle eye. Like we have the eye of an eagle that we can see that. And I, I, I looked into that, did a little research. They say that the eyes of an eagle are among the strongest in the animal kingdom. With an eyesight estimated to four to eight times stronger than that of the average human. It's interesting. As an eagle descends from the sky to attack its prey, the muscles in the eyes continuously just adjust the curvature of the eyeballs to maintain a sharp focus and an accurate perception throughout the approach. You see, when I drove out that morning to video the duck hunt, I had to use my GPS to get there. I'm talking, this was way, I had never been there before. And thankfully, I did have a GPS because I don't know if I would have made it if someone had verbally given me directions. And so I used my GPS. It's amazing how that bald eagle, it just showed up out of nowhere. No GPS, no satellite technology, no Alexa, no Hey Siri. It just, we're out in the middle of nowhere, and I mean nowhere, and somehow it just showed up. Somehow that found its food. And this is kind of what Jesus was talking about. He's saying, as sure as an eagle can find a carcass in the wilderness, I'm coming back and if a bird can find something that is dead I'm going to find my living church I'm going to find the living body 
And so, and so he's giving them these scenarios, these different scenarios, two in the field, one taken and the other left. And when he was telling them that, the disciples did not ask, when is this going to happen, Jesus? The question was, where? Where, Lord? You know, I'll be the first to tell you that when it comes to prophecy, it's not really one of my strong suits. And I know that there are people who have dedicated their lives to prophecy and understanding prophecy and teaching and preaching prophecy. And it's totally fine. And I'm totally with it. I'm not downplaying at all. In fact, one third of the Bible is prophecy. So I agree. Prophecies are important. We need a word from God. My issue with prophecy is whenever people try to use it just to instill fear inside of people. They use it to just try and scare people to death. But Revelations 19 and 10 says that the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. You see, it's not supposed to scare you to death. It's supposed to encourage you to search for him more, to love him more, and to know him more. It's supposed to move upon you so that you can truly understand how great he is, how awesome he is, how good of a God we serve. And and we have lived, oh my goodness, we have lived through all sorts of things, all sorts of times where people have said, this is when Jesus is coming back. This will be the day. I know that I was only two years old when this happened, but I remember hearing stories about the year 1988. I remember hearing about the book 88 Reasons Why Jesus Christ is Coming Back in 1988. I've heard stories about pastors in our organization locking some people in their building for three days. 1988 comes. Jesus didn't return. 1989 comes. Jesus didn't return. It came and went. No rapture. I definitely remember living through Y2K. Anybody remember that? My goodness. I remember that that was going to be the year. That was going, that was going to be the end of the world. This was the year where all the computers were going to crash and we aren't, weren't going to be able to buy or sell. And, and that was going to be the year. And people a lot like today were stockpiling up on food and supply because after midnight, you weren't going to be able to do any of that. You weren't going to be able to purchase anything. And I remember walking into the stores and seeing the signage at Walmart, get your Y2K here. They had packets that were made up and they had these special candles that you needed to buy. Because it's the end of the world. And so we lived through that. And I remember the next big thing was the Mayan calendar. And that the Mayans have always been so accurate. And that their calendar did not go past the year 2012. And everyone thought, this is when the Lord is coming back. This is when Jesus is coming back. But I want you to understand this morning, the question is not when is Jesus coming back. The question is where, Lord? Two men in the field 
one taken and the other left. Two women grinding, one taken and the other left. The question was not when. The question today is not when is Jesus coming. The question is where should you and I be when he returns? And the answer is simple. Be in the body of Christ. Be in the church. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord today. We got to be in the body. Understand, he's not coming back for me. He's not coming back for you. He's coming back for the body of Christ. Our question should not be, when is he coming? The question needs to be, I better make sure that I'm in the body when he comes looking. Yes, yes. We got to be a part of the body of Christ. We're so fascinated about knowing when. I want to know when he's coming. I need to know the day. I need to know the hour. You know why Jesus isn't going to tell us that? Because we live so foolishly and so selfishly up till about 15 minutes right before his return. You better believe it. And then we try to jump in and throw together some little microwave repentance and try to get ourselves right, right before he comes and and, and then think that's what's going to make it. But Jesus said, you got to watch and pray. You got to watch and pray. It's not when he's coming. The answer is I want to be in the body. I got to be in the body of Christ when he returns. And by one spirit are we all baptized. You better be full of the spirit. You better be covered by the blood of Jesus. We better make sure that we got a right heart. The spirit of prophecy, as our music comes, is the testimony of Jesus. It's not meant to scare you. It's not meant to frighten you. It's meant to exalt him. And make you fall in love with him. Saying this this is a good God. He's a holy God. He's a worthy God. It's not meant to get you to the place where you say, I want to uh, I, I, I want to live, you know, it is meant to get you to the place where you say, I want to live for him. I want to serve him. He's so great. He's so good. He's so mighty. He's so holy. I want to serve him. That's what prophecy is supposed to do. We got to be in the body. We got to be in the church. If I asked you to close your eyes this morning and conjure up the mental image of a reef, that image would be very predictable. You would see color, you would see beauty. But certainly in your mind's eye, you would see life. To imagine a coral reef without life is impossible. And although these beautiful structures can span as wide as 1,400 miles, they're not just an object. They are a community of millions of organisms, a giant living body binding together to form an environment where life can thrive. 
coral reefs take up less than one-tenth of a percent of the ocean, but they house over 25% of its wildlife. They grow best when the current is strong and the waves carry nutrients with each crashing wave. The reefs are, they act as nature's filter, cleaning the muck that would muddy the water. The reefs contain healing. Coral reefs are an important source of new medicines being developed to treat cancer, arthritis, Alzheimer's disease, heart disease. Finally, the reefs act as a haven for thousands of species to spawn where their offspring can be safe from the predators that can appear from every direction. The coral reefs are alive and they live to bring new life and to sustain it and to protect it. Like the reef, the church is not merely a structure. It is a living body. It consists of people from every walk of life, every age, every color, binding together to provide a place where life can flourish. Like the reef, the church grows best where the current is the strongest, where a consistent move of the Spirit brings that which every soul desires. The Bible says wherever two or three are gathered in His name, that He is there in the midst of them. Whenever two or three are gathered in His name, the power of God is demonstrated. Like the reef, the church filters out the filthiness of the world and allows it to be a place where once again we can see with perfect clarity through the washing and regeneration of the Holy Ghost. Like a reef, the church is a place of healing for your body, for your spirit, for your mind, for your home. The prayer of faith will save the sick. Like the reef, the church is a fortress, a place of refuge to raise and to protect your family. The Bible says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The church thrives on new life, your life, your service, your gift. This is not just a group of people here this morning. This is the living body of Christ. You are that body. You are that place of refuge. And that is what Jesus is coming back for. It's not when that'll work itself out. We can't help the wind. We can't stop the wind. We can't answer the wind. We don't need to worry about the wind. But there is something we can do about where we are when he comes. Where should you and I be when he returns? Wherever the body is. There the eagles will be gathered together. 
I simply ask you as you stand with me this morning. I simply ask, where are you? Where are you today? I know you're here, but are you in the body? I know you're physically present, but are you connected to the body? Where's your spirit? Where's your soul? No matter how dark our world gets, I plead with you today, don't let being disconnected from the body ever enter into your thought pattern. Don't ever try to attempt to make it on your own. Don't ever try to walk out into the darkness from whence he took you from and placed you into his marvelous light. Please don't turn your back on it. Stay connected to the body. That's where we need to be. When he comes, every head bow, every eye closed in this place. I'm asking for just a few moments just of seriousness right now between you and God. Where are you? Can you ask yourself that? Can you internalize that right now? Can you personalize that word here this morning? Can you ask yourself, can you get real honest with yourself right now? Where am I? Where's my spirit? Is it where the body is? Is it, am I connected to the body? Am I connected to that body that he is coming back for, that he's returning before? The Bible says in Colossians that he will present unto himself a glorious church. It is a glorious body that we are a part of. Are you connected? Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. If you are ever in our area, our doors are open on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.